your treasured possession. So just the thoughts God has of you are past finding out. You'll never fathom the height, the width, the depth, the length of this loving God and his thoughts for you. The smartest mind oh, is nothing, is a joke. The smartest one among us, it's a joke compared to the mind of Christ and to the thoughts of God. So his thoughts are mysteries. Psalm 139, his thoughts are precious and beyond summation. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, his thoughts are to be entirely different than our thoughts. My thoughts are not your thoughts, God said. So if you can think it, it's not God. <laughs> and my ways are not your ways. God's thoughts are infinitely transcendent. They're far above, much higher in nature and in purity than our thoughts. Motives matter to God. And there was a time in my life where I wondered if I ever did anything with the right motive. And when you let God search your heart, like David says in Psalm 139, he'll begin to sift your motives. And that's what the Word of God does, Hebrews 4.12. It's a sword that pierces and is a critic. It is a critic of the motives of the heart. The, God, the Word of God can, can try us and test us and sift us. Have you come to a Bible study to let God sift your heart? Lord, let un, unknown things, let hidden motives, let them come up, let them come out. I want to love my wife just because she is. I, I don't want any other motive. I don't want to love to get something back. I want to love deeply my friends with the love of Christ. I want my motives to be clean. And I think that that's a scouring, cleansing work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God active in our souls. But his thoughts, he knows all about us, and he still likes us. That's a mic drop. I'm going to say it again. He knows all about us, and he still likes us, and he loves us, and he'll answer our cry, not because we're sinless, not because we've done, had a perfect day. He'll answer our cry because we're his child. We're his children, his beloved, his precious, his bride. Of course, he will answer our cry. Call unto me, he says. I'm going to show you deep things and hidden mysteries that you'll never know by yourself, but I'll show them to you. And when the mysteries of God fill your heart, your thoughts will be changed. How about his power, the mystery of God's power? Oh, I love, uh, you know, the book of Job. There are some passages in the book of Job that are powerful, and there's one towards the end of the book, and I, I just, I didn't write it in my notes, but it's coming to me now. And God says, you know, he talks about creation, about snow and, and hail and hiding the lightning and all of the weather patterns and the ocean currents and all of the movement of the cosmos. And then he ends up his dialogue by saying, these are only the outskirts. This is only the beginnings of my ways. So, yes, we can know God in a measure through creation. I love to look at the stars I love, you know, an ocean. I love sailing. I love camping. I love doing outdoor stuff. We lived in the jungle for years, so I, I did get my fill somewhat. But that alone 
is but the fringes. It's the, the friend. Listen, it's the lint on the fringe of the hem of his garment creation. And he calls it the thunder of his power. What will you do with the thunder of his power? Wow. The thunder of God's power is about to be heard. And, you know, some said it thundered. Well, the whole world's going to be saying it's thundered. God has thundered his voice. The seven thunders are about to be heard. And uh, that's another teaching for another day. I, I, I feel like God's shown me what those seven thunders are, but we'll save that for the seminary. So his thoughts are transcendent. His power is transcendent. Our Lord is powerful enough, Isaiah 40, verse 12, to hold the waters of the sea in the hollow of his hand. It says he cups out all the oceans. <laughs> hey, how much water really can you put in the hollow of your hand? I mean, you can get a little sippy drink. I mean, you can get a little, little bit, but you're going to have to get more to satisfy your thirst. God says all the oceans of the world I have put in the hollow of my hand and poured them out. There it is. And the mountains are but the dust of his feet. I mean, are you starting to see how great and glorious God is? If you want the mysteries of God, start with transcendence. Start with this other than that he, he's not a man that he should lie. He's not going to deceive me. He's not going to trick me or fool me. He is trustworthy. He's faithful and true. Everything about him is covenant love for me. So I can step unguarded and vulnerable into his fire and let him purify, cleanse, burn up dross, and, and bring the silver out of that fire. And we'll come out as a mystery of God. His ways, okay, his thoughts, his power, his ways, God's way. It's not our ways. You know, when he says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts. If you look at the context carefully, it's in the context of showing mercy. When I translated that passage in Isaiah, I, I, I saw it clearly. I realized, oh, no, it's like a jaw-dropping moment when I was at, working on the text. I realized what he's talking about is showing mercy. Your thoughts about mercy are not my thoughts about mercy. I will show mercy to people you would never show mercy to. Isn't that right? And my ways of mercy, my ways of displaying mercy are not the ways you would display mercy. That's the ways of God. You know, Israel saw God's deeds, but Moses learned God's ways. I want to be like Moses. I don't want to just see a miracle. I want to see the heart of God that worked that miracle and the message behind it, because every miracle comes with a message. So he's the God of transcendence in his ways. And then finally, his wisdom. He's transcendent in his wisdom. He's so wise. How he's orchestrated your life, put together how many millions of pieces, thousands of days of your life. And he's, he's like writing a book called you. He's doing a piece of art called you, and it's a masterpiece. He's writing poetry, and it's called you. It has your name on it. The uh, wisdom that he's shown. I mean, I think of God introduced me to the right people in my life at the right time. I, I've been connected to 
and aligned with people that were the right ones. I don't have a lot of wounding over how I've been treated by leaders in my life because I've had wonderful examples and spiritual leaders from the time I accepted Christ at 20 until now I'm 71. I, I feel like I've had wonderful examples. And maybe my life is, maybe it's an anomaly. But I, I'm blessed in that way. People who showed wisdom to me when I deserved a lecture, they put their arms around me and said, you know, we're, we're going to work this out. Um, I still remember, okay, I'll be vulnerable here. When I was in Bible college, I was the student body president of Bible college. And I got to walk pretty closely with the staff and <clears throat> the faculty and the leaders. And, and uh, the time came, it was Christmas, and they wanted to put a great big Christmas tree in the, in the atrium. And I got so weirded out. I said, man, that's idolatry. And I read them Jeremiah 10, which doesn't apply. Uh, sorry. And, you know, I, I kind of chose that mountain to die on. And really, in a way, I made a fool of myself. I, I'll say it that way. But I still remember the two faculty members that literally just said, hey, come on, let's go for a walk, Brian. And I think they saw, it makes me tear up thinking about it. They saw in my heart, they saw something in my heart that I didn't see, that, that this was just a reaction of flesh. It was not who I really am. And they saw who I really am. And they were able to pull it out on that 30-minute walk with me uh, on the campus. And there's others. Uh, when I was in my early 20s that mentored me and helped me. God's wisdom, how he's blessed you. Quit complaining. Quit complaining about your life. Don't be like the Israelites that grumbled and murmured and complained. And the whole time, if they lifted their head up, they would see the cloud of glory over their heads. I mean, they, they got so upset that God fed them manna. And so they begged God for meat and for food. And God says, all right, I'll give you enough. And he brought enough quail. And it, and it, it went three deep, three foot deep of quail, uh, like a yard, all right, a, a meter deep of quail, dead quail. He brought it, just rained them down on them. All right, you want meat? And it says they all got sick coming out of their nose, nostrils, and they, a plague broke out. I don't know, botulism. They ate too much quail meat. All because they complained. You know, quit complaining. God may give you everything you're asking, but it's not his plan. It's not what, what is best. It's better to submit, surrender, and say, God, you know what I don't know. Your ways are higher than my ways. You can answer my prayers in a, uh, with a wisdom that I could not describe. And I'm telling you, he will do that. He is transcendent in his thoughts, transcendent in his power. He is transcendent in his glory, and he's transcendent in his ways and wisdom. You have a wonderful, wonderful God. The mysteries of God. But this is something that is burning in my heart, and I know the Lord is behind it, that he wants his church to be fed on manna, and stop turning our nose and our face away from the very thing that will feed our inner being, our inner person. We feed on the mystery of God. And I'll just give you a little hint. One of the mysteries, one of the mysteriums is Christ in you. And we feast on the living Christ within us. 